Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, alongside Jonathan. This is episode number 107. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we appreciate you for listening in today. Before we begin, let's give a round of applause to all who have decided to join us today. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play during your own time. So, Daniel, how are you? I'm very tired, Jonathan. Mm. I think that's the best way to describe it. All right. You know, I'm having a a metamorphosis at the moment. Remember that from Avatar? Yes. And Zuko had to sweat it out? Yeah, yeah. It's hot. It was stressful for him. I remember. Mm -hmm. I remember. Lay out the covers and uh, sweat it out. That uh, smoke that came down from the Quebec wildfires into New York. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sick throughout the entire week, so I felt better. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, the result of these wildfires actually had plans that I had set with a good friend had to get canceled as a result because the event that we were going to was postponed. So I'm pretty sure a lot of us outside of it affected our health had plans altered as a result of these wild you know fires and i would say at least for today and saturday it's been a lot better would you say that well yeah it's definitely better than before you don't see the the haze or the smoke outside is uh, it's funny enough i was on twitter and they have this meme right or they said a picture of new york right and had the the orange haze in the, the background with the Empire State Building, and then it had Godzilla like in the shadows. So. Mm. Yeah, I actually saw a meme on Facebook that talked about now understand what happened when the Earth, the the, the fire. Let me see the the fire lord went and burned everything down. And yeah, you had all the <laughs> communities <laughs> dying of fire, right? Fire Lord Ozai, you know, all that he was doing. So someone put that up on Facebook. They said, I understand what Zuko and them were doing. Burn everything to the ground. <laughs> so, well, it's, yeah. you know, it's good to, even in, even though it's a tragic situation, a horrible situation, so it's good to, you know, be able to make light of, of different things. But, um, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so let's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say something interesting happened to me yesterday, which goes to show you is the reason why we shouldn't paint everybody with a broad brush. I actually was doing a drop yesterday into Roosevelt Island, and the customer that I was speaking with, there was an issue of me trying to get up to their apartment to drop the food off. So, in Roosevelt Island, when you drive that that street, you can't do any broken U-turns. You sort of have to drive to the end and then come back around. So when I reached out to the customer, she was like, well, I have a toddler. And as a result of that, I can't come down and get the food. And I understood what she was saying. And then I still, you know, felt some sort of way because it, it felt like you weren't taking initiative. And you, you should know by now that if you're ordering food for where you are, the difficulty to get to you is obvious. So I actually pulled up and saw two officers and I said hey do you know how to get to this apartment complex 
and they say you have to go around where the restaurant is. Now, here's the interesting thing. I said, well, where are the, where can I park? And one of the gentlemen said that you could probably park, you know, by a fire hydrant. Now, here's the interesting thing. Now, I believe as an African gentleman said, we are not responsible for helping anyone find parking. And the white officer was like, hey, I'm pretty sure if you park by this fire hydrant and go in and do the drop and come out, no one will bother you. So here it is. Normally, you would think a brother looking out for a brother will show up. But in this case, that wasn't what happened. And the officer, the white officer, not only pointed me to what fire hydrant to park at, he also pointed me in the direction of where to drop, where to do the drop. I went up, dropped the food, came back down, and everything was good. And I was like, you know, that was a great officer. He understood the circumstance. He understood what I was dealing with. And instead of giving me the hard time, he actually looked out for me. And you can't say that for every officer. You know, everybody's trying to make a quota. But in this instance, he actually looked out for me. And then continuing, I picked up an order in Roosevelt Island. And guess what? As soon as I got to the restaurant, there was a gentleman who worked for the restaurant who understood the circumstances of hard parking. And had the order waiting for me outside the restaurant so that I can take the exchange from him and keep it pushing. I was just thankful and appreciative that you have people that understand what it's like to drive, understands the issues that we deal with on a regular basis. And then they stick out their neck out for you to assist you and make your life much easier. And then, of course, to make things even more joyful and, and cheerful last night. I was driving to do the drop off and the ambulance was right behind me. So that forced me to drive a little further down into a parking lot. And the customer actually walked all the way down the block and got the order for me versus having me swing or, you know, swing back around. So last night, you know, people surprised me with their kindness and generosity and actually met me halfway. And I think sometimes you just hope and wish people would be much more along those lines of thinking. So that was my, you know, that's what was my experience last night. And I thought it would be important to share that. Don't ever paint the brush broad that everybody is a certain way. And you'd be surprised how genuine and kind people really are. And they do exist. It's definitely right. Um, a nice... A nice feeling to lead us into prayer. Absolutely. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we go to your word, I ask that our understanding of it improves, that it deepens. Lord, the only way this happens is if you open up our eyes to see what our natural minds cannot understand. Lord, this requires us not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust in you and lean on lean on your provision and guidance and direct direction lord ask that you bring us to a place to where you can sustain us allow myself and daniel to be a blessing to others who have decided to tune into our podcast today father god use us as your instruments in whatever way that is necessary lord we freely submit ourselves to your reign rule and authority lord we are ready to bring glory honor and praise and that being said we say these things confidently and with surety 
In Jesus' name, we pray that all in agreement say, Amen. Amen. So, continuing with the Gospel of Matthew series today, it's going to be all about the intro leading up to the Lord's Prayer. We're going to discuss the intro leading up to the Lord's Prayer, right? The approach here is simple. I believe Jesus makes some powerful statements and we should dig deep and understand what he was saying. So let's get started. If you want to follow along, the passage for today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. And of course, we will jump around for supportive texts to justify the conclusions that myself and Daniel came up with in preparation for the episode. So. Let's unpack the intro leading up to the Lord's Prayer. Daniel, Matthew 6, uh, verse 5 to 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you act. Great, great job, Daniel. So verse 5 begins with a warning. It begins with a warning of who not to be like. The word hypocrite is mentioned intentionally here, I can imagine, because Jesus wants us to be aware of religious leaders. At that time, it was the Pharisees and experts in the law who portrayed a fallacy, a pretense of having great, vigorous character when it comes down to morality, religious beliefs, and principles. And yet, the truth of the matter is, many not all, because it is irresponsible to speak in absolute truths here. But many did not actually live and practice what they taught. A great reference of this is found in Matthew chapter 23, which will sum up respectfully portions of verses 5 through 8 in Matthew chapter 6 today. So for context, let's go there. We're going to look at Matthew again. Chapter 23, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to look at this in the NLT translation. Daniel. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. But don't follow their example. For they don't practice <laughs> what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. Oh, their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear rows with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at the banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. Yeah, so did you catch what Jesus said in the first couple of verses? Listen carefully. Then reread that again right there. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. 
So let's unpack that, right? What Jesus is really saying here is, hey, these experts are knowledgeable at what they do professionally in their own field, which means they're good in the sense of their ability to break down what the law actually says. So they're good for something. However, don't rely on them to live it out. In other words, don't look to them as your personal example. Jesus believes that's a no-no. Now, there's a belief that most are not capable of wearing multiple hats. This is where you get the phrases like, hey, I'm no doctor. I'm not a theologian. I hear that a lot when it comes to being literate to knowing God's word. And I'm no mechanic. And then there are people in this world who try and pretend to have knowledge of everything. But guess what? They don't. They don't have a clue. But they give you the intention that they know enough to give their expertise in what they think you should do. The truth of the matter is, it's because we're flawed individuals. Everything we touch and do, you will find error because no one is perfect. When it comes to human beings, you will find chaos because there's always a challenge when it comes to agreement and seeing things the same way. Soon after, you will see that there's plenty of confusion because of the different ideologies and frameworks that are destined to collide in most unsettled matters with the hope to lead to be the alpha. That's usually what men normally try to portray. So with that being said, let's translate Matthew 23, 1-7 into today's setting and context. Let's look at our pastors, preachers, and teachers of today. I'm sure they are people who strive to do their best every day. However, we as believers, as true followers of Christ, cannot allow their shortcomings to taint the message of God and his word for us. For our guidance, our direction, our stewardship, the lead. When you worship pastors and teachers who are supposed to be the voice of God instead of Jesus Christ, you will be let down every time. Remember, they are just a messenger. And Jesus is the standard. I'll say it again. Jesus is the standard. That is why it says in Hebrews 4.15 that, Well, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's why he's the standard. Remember, Romans chapter 3, verse 4 in the Amplified Version says this. Let God be found true as he will be, though every person be found a liar. So there needs to be comprehension when it comes to our nature as human beings. We will naturally fall short of perfection. We will misspeak at times. We will miss the mark. Occasionally, with reason or without, we will lie. We will fall short of God's glory, and that, of course, will lead us to repent and to strive to be holy if we have decided to submit to God's reign, rule, and authority over our lives. Now, God warns us about what has came and what is continuing in James chapter 3, verse 1. And this is what he says in the Amplified Version.
Not many of you should become teachers, serving in an official teaching capacity. My brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. Yeah, so even when it comes to how you handle scripture, you gotta be cautious, you gotta be careful because the wrong interpretation can lead people astray, especially if it's not accurate. This is the reason why we promote the idea of having a healthy hermeneutics. Why? Because healthy hermeneutics allows a framework for us to go back and revisit how we arrived. This is the reason why me and Daniel provide the scriptures. Daniel reads them. I give you the references. Because we want you to know that the thoughts and ideas and the suggestions that we make are healthy. And they're rooted within the different translations that we prescribe. Because we think it'd be, it could be more helpful in how we articulate it and disseminate it to the masses. You know, what a beautiful discovery in scripture. Because... God wants us to know that the mishandling of truth comes with consequence. In the book of James, it's also clear in chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. You're going to stay in the NLT, and this is what it says. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So when we know from Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 through 7, the standard is the law you have. Those who are experts and unpacking its meaning, but struggle with living it out. And guess what? Many of us today as believers have that same struggle. As Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun in the book of Ecclesiastes. To be respectful. The goal, however, is to try with the assistance of the Holy Spirit and a repentive heart in Ezekiel 36, 26. So Hebrews 8, 10. OK, your goal is to pick yourself back up no matter how many times you fall. And try to turn away from old habits. Fight the good fight. Strive to chase after God's will. And eventually, you'll benefit in your pursuit of that truth. You know, in James chapter 4, verse 17, it also says, If you know the right thing to do and don't do it, for you, it's evil. For the person who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. So let me say this. There are some who think by avoiding the word of God, they won't be held accountable by God's standard because they remain ignorant. But guess what? That won't work because God will make himself known to everyone. Having an exercise in faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. You know, in my private time, there were actually two passages I came across the other day. Let's visit them before we continue. And I believe it can be helpful. So we're going to look at John chapter 9, verse 41 in the English Standard Version. This is what it tells us. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you will have no guilt. But now that you say we see, 
your guilt remains. Let's go to also the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 22, also in the English Standard Version. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. So what I got from these two passages and, and their relevancy and the idea of being aware is that you're, made, you're actually made liable. So, what we see in John, John 9, verse 41, is that if you were blind, you, you would have no guilt. But then, in dialogue, they claim they are able to see. And the seeing here is not a literal seeing, it's a spiritual seeing. So they claim to have sight in that area. And that's the reason why their guilt and their actions remain. You go to John 15, 22, Jesus talks about his reason for appearing. And we learn in 1 John, he appeared to destroy the devil's work. And he appeared to show us him who is true. And by being in him who is true, we are being in Christ. Okay. And what happens is. There's no excuse. You're made liable, which means once upon a time, it was an excuse without exposure. But with it and choosing to accept or reject it is a personal choice. Jesus told his disciples in Mark 16 that they should go out into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Truth of the matter is, that's a real reality that we all will have to face. God is not a man and he should lie. So as believers, we are called to a higher standard of living and accountability once we are aware of what we ought to do with what we know. Now, let's go back to verse 6 in Matthew chapter 6, Daniel. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I was actually having this conversation today with a friend. And we're not going to point out what belief systems do these things. But there are some who pray outwardly. When it comes to having a personal relationship with God, what makes it personal is the interaction privately. So, is there a problem with praying publicly? Absolutely not. Right? It says anytime two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. There are plenty of times in corporate fellowship that we pray for one another. But for personal issues, personal concerns, we go to God for our friends, for ourselves. And we learn we don't just pray for ourselves. We pray for others as well. But we do it in the privacy of our home. Okay. For those who don't know much about prayer. You know, check out episode 19, Praying Through a Biblical Lens, right? The truth of the matter is prayer is an opportunity that gives you personal access to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with God. It doesn't come off as something you would want to announce publicly, but prayer provides you a chance in which you get to share your inner thoughts, concerns, dreams, and aspirations. All personal, by the way. Praying has the effect of improving your thought life and reassuring your faith in Christ. Through prayer is about elevating your mind to understand what it's all about. And what it's all about is not what he's done, 
It's not what he's doing, but it's really about what he's already done. When you pray, it's about seeking strength from your inner being, the Holy Spirit. Because remember, there are moments when your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. In episode 68, we talked about the power of prayer and how there are moments in life when you pray and you feel like it doesn't make a difference at the time. In these moments, fear creeps in and you start to believe that praying is worthless because you saw nothing changing according to your circumstance. In fact, all you who see other people who pray and you see success, you become envious. In fact, you see that people are being blessed all around you, but you aren't. So naturally, you start to question, why commit to keep praying for something that isn't working? What does continuing to pray in hopes that a breakthrough is at my miss do for me? If you tune into episode 68, we answer these sorts of questions and dive in to the reason why we should pray. And the reason why I mention these two episodes, and it's not to, you know, do a shameless plug, but because when it comes to praying, it's not about achieving. It's about receiving. And that's why at the end of verse six, it says it's a reward. You don't actually achieve a reward. You receive a reward. That's the whole purpose. It's about receiving things from God, not achieving. To receive something is to accept it. To achieve something is to look at it as something that you reached. But what do you do after that? Just like any sports achievement you get a trophy and you put it on the shelf no one can take it away from you but what else does it do when you receive something you get to use it often and you get to share it with others so let's go to verse 7 daniel and when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words so this is interesting because the Gentiles are actually us, everybody else outside of the Jewish community. And Jesus is talking about the behavior of the surrounding nations and some of the practices that they were portraying, which is why he called it out. So when we call on the Lord in prayer, we need to be mindful of who we're calling to and what we're asking for. Empty phrases in scriptures were the very praises that were shouted out towards Jesus while he was riding the donkey before he eventually faced his crucifixion. Here were some phrases spoken by people who had their fill. Remember, at the time, Jesus fed 4,000 and 5,000 people who followed him and heard his words during this ministry, which only lasted three and a half years. Some became believers as a result of that. Others were just there, present. And when it was time for Christ to be crucified and they had to let one prisoner go, Barabbas or Jesus Christ, they chose Barabbas. Now, we know, obviously, it was based on prophecy and it was done on our behalf. But there were many who were there and at the drop of the dime, given the opportunity, they did not choose to let Jesus go. So, Daniel, uh, read some of the empty statements that were made when it came to phrases that were thrown by people. Praise God! 
blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Yeah, so there are several places in scriptures where people honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. Let's go to Isaiah 29, 13. These people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules. They have been taught. Let's go to Ezekiel 33, verses 31 through 33. So my people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words and their hearts seek only after money. You are very entertaining to them. Like someone who sings love songs with a, with a beautiful voice or plays fine music on an instrument. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. But when all of these terrible things happen to them, as they certainly will, then they will know a prophet has been among them. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 through 9. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he, pro he, when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. God is looking for worshipers who have a mind, heart, and thought for God sincerely. It was Jesus who said to the Samaritan woman, we must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And sometimes we take for granted praise and worship and don't sing with the concentration and a thoughtfulness to truly worship. Some of us go through the motions when we were in church. Remember, our minds should not be wandering when we are praying. Also, we should be focused and be intentional every step of the way. When we pray, what is required? Well, our minds, and it should be focused on God, nothing else. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Therefore, he knows what's going on, and he knows your heart. He knows your state of mind. So make sure your actions and words are sincere, submissive, and with reverence. Lastly, let's address this point. When we pray, the things we ask God for should be aligned with his character. It was episode four, how to experience God's love. And I talked about praying to God for the right Here we go. bag of red hot <laughs> potato chips. Now, God, of course, wants us to be happy and content. But as I stated back then, that prayer isn't something we should ask God for. Now, I can tell you, right? I hear him sometimes when he's out there in his room. He still prays for that bag of red hot potato chips. So don't let him lie to you. Listen, eh? I haven't had those in a while. <laughs> uh -huh. Watching my blood pressure. <laughs> so what do I mean I say God is a God that loves us cares for us however it is important 
that we take the opportunity and the conversation that we have with God seriously. And the things that we're asking for, make sure that they're lined up with God's character. So let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15 to set the table to unpack this, Daniel. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So the key word here is will. And that has to do with God's capacity, which of course is infinite. But we're thinking according to his will for us. Not understanding it has to do with the benefit that impacts us as a result of trusting him. So we lean into his desire for us, right? And in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for those who love the Lord and accord according to his purpose. We know in Proverbs that he makes the crooked way straight. So because God knows what's best for us, we lean not on our own understanding, but we lean on his. And if we're leaning on his, rather than going through all these steps that can cause us harm, friction, painful, painful stripes, be much more committed to what God has for us. I'm not going to say you're not going to go through hardships. You are. That's part of the journey of being a believer. Because God has to strengthen your character and mold you into who he needs you to be in preparation for what you can handle. And of course, we have to understand too, faith is very important, right? Faith is the substance of things hopeful and things of not seen. The reason why faith is so important is because the things that we ask for God, we have to make sure that our faith holds up the capacity to do the things that we need to do. And that requires occupying spaces. And if your faith is not up to par, then you can't occupy and do good works. You can't occupy if you're in fear. You can't occupy and do things for the Lord if you're in fear. So, some of God's many characteristics is his graciousness, his compassion, his patience, his faithfulness, and his abounding love. Which means there's a scripture in in the Gospel of John, where he says, I have many things to tell you, and yet you cannot bear them all. God understands your capacity of what you can manage. And if God is gracious, patient, and abounding in love, if what you're asking for, you can't handle it, He's not going to give it to you. He's not going to watch you crumble. Instead, he's going to wait patiently for your ability to have that capacity for what you're asking for. And that might be character development. And then he's going to give it to you. So sometimes, like that verse I just mentioned, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them all now, yet. So that means it might not happen this year. It could happen next year happen two years from now we're being patient and waited on the lord some things have to be set up for you now let's finish up with verse 8 daniel 
Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Remember something about God. Nothing ever occurs to God. Let me say that one more time. Nothing ever occurs to God. He knows all things. And as a result of knowing all things, he doesn't have to go through a process like we do. Now, in Scripture, it might be saying that, but you have to read through the lines and understand that in order to understand certain things, it has to be put in a format that we understand. And I used to say this to my friend all the time. We understand that wings on a plane are tools to express the action of flight. But does that mean angels will have wings? No. Angels do not have wings. But it's illustrated in such a way that in order for us to comprehend, we have images in Hollywood that display that they are wings. We remember in the Gospels, Jesus appeared to them behind doors that are locked, which means obviously he's a, he can walk through walls, right? Which means the very nature and that defi the very nature that defines us, gravity, all these things, Christ is not restricted and limited in that capacity and his humanity yes but in his deity no these are just examples so you can get the picture to understand that certain things that are portrayed so that we as individuals have a better comprehension of but again we can't anti-pymorphosize god put him in the box and limit to him the capacity of what we understand if god was so easy to figure out he couldn't be god put it that way he has to be past our comprehension and understanding. And he showed up through Christ so that we could comprehend him. If you want to go back to the book of Exodus, there's a point in time where Moses was told by the people, hey, we want to speak to God. And then when they got to the top of the mountain and they heard thunder, they didn't want to speak then. They got the opportunity to talk to God and they didn't have nothing to say. Now, the whole point is God extends an invitation. In prayer for us to come and talk to him because that's the nature of what a relationship is. It's what you put into it. You put it, things into the relationship. It's all developing. Right? Here's an example about understanding process. We were all once kids, right? Because now we're past that stage. We're either young adults or we're, we're, elder, we're elders now. And we all went to school, and going to school means that there's a requirement that you have to have that supplies. Every parent knows that. So what do they do? They wait for the children to report back to them with that need. Now, most parents understand that there are basic needs, so they go out on a limb and get the basic requirements and wait for the things they don't have thoughts or knowledge about. That might be specific for that particular class. In the book of Isaiah, God said, come, let us reason together, which means God wants us to communicate and be open to him because keeping it all inside won't help with your mental health. So why did I bring this example? up? 
brought this example up is because parents going out on a limb and getting the necessary requirements is something that God has already understood. He knows. He talks about clothing in the fields, him being well aware that there are things that are needed. And he does so because he takes care of them. And that's why he says the things that we have and the demand of what human beings need. Don't you think that he's aware of that? However, that doesn't take away the capacity or the mindset that we have to have to still come and act. God knows it, but that doesn't take away your choice. The choice is still ours. We should not make the choice because we know that the result is already going to happen. That's just overthinking things. And as a philosopher, I don't condone that. So, we'll end with this. Communication is very important. It's necessary. And of course, when it comes to praying, be intentional. Don't let your mind wander. Take God seriously. Go in your room, close the door, pray in secret, and you will be rewarded for what you do in secret. And that's all I have to say. Is there anything you want to add, Daniel? No, nothing to add this week. All right. So with that being said, let's end with devotional time. If you know people who have wandered off from the God's truth, and by the God's truth, we mean God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them and get them back, and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction. And by destructions, we mean destruction. And guess who said that? That was James in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 20. It's easy to write off people who have drifted from the faith. You tell yourself that they knew full and well what they were doing when they went back to their worldly ways. But the question is, are you concerned about them? Do you, pr do you pray for them and reach out to them? Jesus said, what man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it and if you remember we actually covered that that's in the book of Luke chapter 15 verse 4 Jesus took it for granted that every person listening will be motivated to scout the desert for a lost sheep accent what man does not go after it until he finds it and how much more valuable is a person than a sheep in the end the person must make up his own mind to return to the lord but you could be a big part of helping restore them and how do you do that your actions your prayers how supportive and how comforting you are to that person and of course what I meant by your actions is leading by example being an excellent representation of God and his word by following it so I say this prayer for everyone here Lord I know people even family members who have drifted from you please use my example my words and my concern to draw them back to you and all in agreement say, Amen. Amen.